Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. What is one thing that is pre-pandemic, if you could have it back just like now, what would be that one thing? (sighs) I do like the ability to just go places. I think that's all right. Although I have to tell you, spending time at home has made me sort of invest in the nest, right? Like get a couple of things done around the house that I've been meaning to do, tidy things up. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a mess in my office. It needs to be cleaned up. I mean, look at that. It's messy back there. On the other iMac. Uh, you should see my apartment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know, man. So what are the things that you, um, what are the things that you would take back if you could? All right. Stuart from Edmonton says, I agree with Jason. Church. Meeting with everybody and receiving those great hugs from our friends. Well, Stuart, that would be three things. But because you said church first, I'm going to say that church is your number one. If you could pick one thing, just imagine one thing magically. Here comes the magic stick. What would it be? Ian says the ability to travel, in particular, to cruise. I don't know if cruising is ever going to be the same again. I mean, remember when Norwalk was a big thing on the cruise ships? And then the way that COVID was, you know, sort of hit the cruise ships, that'd be a tough one. It would be have to be a hell of a deal um, to go on a cruise ship for me. But if you love it, Ian, rock on, brother. All right, let's go to Michael in Edmonton, 877-399-9898. Hi, Mike. Hi. Good e- uh, Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. What is it that you uh, you would take back? Now, Michael, you have to remember, this is going to be like just this one thing. There's no restrictions to it at all. Just like poof, there it is. It's yours. What would it be? Be back home in Vietnam. Oh, Vietnam. So why don't you go? I, I've been trying for eight months. Really? Why can't you go? Uh, flights keep getting canceled. Oh, and it's, so, uh, there doesn't seem to be a doorway back home for me right now. Are you a Canadian citizen, Mike? Yes, I am, but I'm so you uh, could, married you to a Vietnamese back. lady, and uh, I've been living in Vietnam now for uh, uh, almost 12 years. And uh, I come back every year to visit my mother. And huh. uh, this year, <laughs> I got stuck. So... Okay, I'm just trying. I'm not. I'm not challenging you. I'm just trying to understand what you're going through here. So you're you're a Canadian citizen now, married to a Vietnamese citizen. Mm-hmm. Now is she here with you? No. What's her name? She, her name is Mylan. Okay. Now is there? So we just had a group on um, that was about that. This is what they do. Did you hear that interview? I heard. I heard on uh, Charles Adler this evening about. Uh, a travel agent in Vancouver, I believe, uh, who uh, has some information about uh, traveling overseas. And uh, I I wrote her an email this evening, uh, uh, and and I'm going to wait for her response and see if she has any information that I... Are you you legally married? Yes, I am. 
so there's an organization we had a guy on his name is dr david edward Poon, and he's dr. from david. southern ontario uh-huh. And his organization is called Faces of Advocacy. Faces of Advocacy has been um, working to bring in common law married couples that where one person's not Canadian. And they, I think they did it only in the last couple of weeks. We had David on and they were going to announce that. Now, David's a doctor and his partner is Irish. And so, and she's a nurse. And so they've been going through something very similar, except they're common law. They're not legally married. So I want you to look up Faces of Advocacy, Michael. Okay. I will do that. There's an entire community of these people that are going through what you're going through. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic news. I I, I didn't hear about these people before. Faces of Advocacy. Advocacy. If you text, you text me to the same phone number, Michael, when we're finished, I will reply with some links to their website. Okay, uh, I, I don't know if, I, if my phone will work here in Canada. Uh, probably That's not. Okay. Faces yeah. of Advocacy. Okay, that I can okay. remember. You got yes. that? Look yes. it up, and, um, and I'm going to let you go quick so you don't forget. Faces of Advocacy, if you fit into that group, we might have just been able to help you solve your problem. Oh, that, 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 that's the best news I've received in eight months. Yeah, well, I hope I'm right with this and understanding what you're going through, that it fits into this world. And please let us know if this uh, comes to fruition, okay? Okay, yes, absolutely. I will. Facesofadvocacy.com. Go get them. Thank you kindly, sir. Go get them, Tiger. Okay, bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye, Bye -bye. Michael. All right, 877-399-9898. Look at that, The, uh, the, the, the Shift family coming together right there. I love it. Diane and Surrey, I want hugs back. Uh, isn't that the truth? I would love, you know what I would love? I have a couple of people in my bubble that I do it with, but I would love a hell of a handshake. I would love a good, strong, gentlemanly handshake. There's nothing that would make me happier. There's so many people that I'm happy to see and to give them a good, strong handshake. Maybe it's just a dude thing for all the ladies out there. I don't know. Maybe you like it too, but it feels like a gentlemanly thing to do. Love that. I know a lot of, I have, I have a lot of friends who are, uh, huggers and I'm sure they would love to be able to do that again. I'm a, I'm totally a hugger. Like, and with my friends, there's usually a big firm handshake and then a hell of a hug. Like, you know, so good. Yeah. I like, I like I'm more of like a high five fist bump kind of dude too. Yeah. <laughs> I, You're pretty tall. It's a pretty high five. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I want? Can we do a picture on social media if you guys ever get to actually work in the same room together of Jason Manawas high-fiving you? Oh, totally. I think sure. we could totally do that. That'd be great. Uh, like, wait, so is Matt going to extend his hand? As high like, as he can. Oh, yeah. As it, high as he can? We'd oh, have okay. to put a... I'm going to uh, have to jump. <laughs> we have to get you on a phone book or something. Yeah. <laughs> 877-399-9898. If you had anything back that is pre-COVID, um, what would it be? Donnie says Trudeau free government. <laughs> Points for being creative, Donnie, with that one. Absolutely. Another texter says Shane has an office. Question mark. Um, yes, she has an office. That's what Shane does. Shane sits in this office way too much, by the way. As I realized today, as I was working on some new business stuff, I'm like, I think I need to get out. I'm in the same sweater I've been in for four days. I don't remember the last time I showered. It's time to get out of the house. Let's go to West Vancouver. Say hi to Peter. What's up, Pete? Oh, not a whole lot, you know. 
hanging out. Cool. What would you like to have, Peter? If we could go back and magically, there it is, the magic stick. Um, give you back one thing and one thing only pre-pandemic today. What would that be? Well, it's it's kind of one thing, but it's multiple things. Peter. And that's that, stages to play on. Oh, I'm a musician. Live entertainment, then we could narrow it down to that. Being yeah, able to perform. But, but I'm not talking like the big shows. I'm talking like the restaurants and the breweries with the, you know, the solo guys. Nice. Intimate shows. Yeah, the small stuff. I mean, everybody talks about even a little bit about the big business of, of entertainment, but nobody talks about these, you know, people like me, the little guy who plays the bar every, you know, Saturday night. And nice. So you said you're a musician there, Pete? Yep, I is. What, uh, what, what kind of uh, musician are you? I am one of those solo musicians. I play guitar mainly, but I play other instruments as well. Um, I use backing tracks, so I sound like a real band. And wow. it's uh, it's actually it's it's great. It's a lot of fun. But sounds high tech. But <laughs> but there you are. Here you are. Instead of being out rocking out tonight, you're sitting here listening to us. To us listen to us. Exactly. Hey. I mean, the only way I survived was uh, I was busking down at the Lonsdale Key. Really. Yeah, putting that's, making that's, it, was it enough? Well, I'm, I I made enough to 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 make it through because I didn't qualify for the Serb crap, and so I was uh, that was it. Uh, generosity of strangers, and I guess uh, my ability to entertain. <laughs> Wicked. Well, Peter, thanks for calling in, and I hope that we can hear your music again soon. Um, well, I have some good news for you coming up, though, which is uh, Matt's Rocktober riff of the day. So, oh, that sounds great. All right. All righty, man. Take Thanks it easy, for the guys. call, you Peter. Have a great one. Thanks for the show. Rock on, brother. Peter uh, from West Vancouver, right there. He wants to have some stages to play on so he can share his music with you. If you could have one thing back from pre pandemic, what would that be? Dwayne says, I didn't have much of a social life before COVID, but the card tournaments that I played in. See, these are the things that matter, man. Um, I would like to have a go, go have a drink and not worry about COVID, says John. All right, that's cool. Uh, hug life. <laughs> That's good. To play live music full time again, another texter says, we had lots of musicians listening on the program tonight. Thanks for your contribution. Um, okay, here's one more. Uh, one thing that I would want back is live music. I miss all of my friends, says the Hammer. Road Hammer, always sharing about his love for music. I miss live concerts that infuse our ears with kick-ass guitar and drum solos. I miss light and stage shows that gift us with supernatural powers to jump higher and scream louder. Well-written, Catherine, as always. I love your writing. Um, very colorful. And that's true, right? Like, you become a superhero when you're at a rock concert. You really do. Some of us try to fly off stages, mind you, which is not always okay. <laughs> Another texture for Vancouver, Jason says, I miss church, too. It's such a big, deeply woven part of so many people's lives, right? And especially some of the older folks, that's some of their, that's their biggest social circle is going to get their egg salad sandwich on a Sunday. Yeah, for that's sure. That's mostly I Catholic, think, so. I think, I think for me, church takes up at least 80% of my life. And, I'm, and I know really? a lot of people that that still happens. Yeah, like work is so secondary compared to what I do at church. It's like, um, sorry, yeah, it's, it's crazy, but yeah. For me personally, but I'm like, I'm still uh, like pretty young and yeah. for older people, it's even more. So 
Um, yeah, man, I think it's a lot of things. Uh, church is a, is a is something on everyone's mind. Or uh, well, this on, is you can hear the the passion things, right? The passion peoples of everyone's lives. That's the common thread that I'm learning in this. That it's all the yeah. passion pieces. Like it's 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 those. Another texture from Winnipeg. I miss all the smiles on people's faces. If you put your name on here, I can shout you out. By the way, uh, Brandon. Uh, not from Brandon, Brandon from Ontario. I miss playing D&D with my friends, says Brandon. D&D with my friends. Isn't that an oxymoron? <laughs> I'm just kidding, because obviously you have to have friends to play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, just making a joke, Brandon. Don't take it personally. Just trying to be funny. I miss my wife. She is a dual citizen and has been stuck in Venezuela since before March. Month by month, the Venezuelan government has prohibited domestic and international. Click. Commercial flights. <laughs> Sorry, I had to wait for the rest of the message to load. Uh, we have rescheduled five times. How disappointing is that? Dr. David Uipoon from Faces of Advocacy, by the way, Michael, that name again. I want Michael to get it. Faces of Advocacy. Um, his partner, um, she got all the way to Toronto and then got turned away. And she already had paperwork from the embassy. So amazing, right? This is the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm joined now by um, my very own special uh, cyber assassin, lawyer turned cyber assassin. That's not really accurate, but it <laughs> is to me. Uh, Susie Dunn is here, and Susie is uh, educated as a lawyer and now works in the world of uh, research and um, looking at law with the internet and how it affects people. In particular, now, Susie, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, in particular, we're starting to look at misrepresentation, fake, um, stolen identity almost, if you will, kind of through video um, and AI in general. How are you? Thanks for spending some time. No, I'm great. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. That's exactly it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a PhD candidate and a part-time professor at the University of Ottawa Faculty of Law. And, and my research looks at like a broad range of topics that have to do with what we call tech-facilitated violence and, and gender-based abuse. But I'm really interested in impersonation and identity fraud and this new movement of AI technology that's creating these fake videos and fake voices and fake images of people. And that's where um, we started our conversation. Uh, Susie's been on before, so I sent her a message after Susie had shared an article. Um, it involves teens. I'm just going to generally call them kids for the most part. So it does. this conversation is not just famous people, adults um, that are getting um, misrepresented with fake bodies, fake faces, fake porn movies online. This is starting to cross over into kids um, and younger people getting affected by this as well. So that puts a whole new uh, level of hit the brakes on on some of this conversation because uh, we all stand up for protecting the babies. So um, the article that you had shared was about AI undressing people or putting other naked images on young people or how did that work? Yeah, so, so the technology um, is really only designed to work on women and younger women. And so the, the images that have been studied show that there's a lot of adult women who are being targeted and it looks like some underage girls are being targeted as well. And so this type of technology uses this like generative adversarial network technology that, um, that basically looks at the image of someone that already exists. So a picture of you in your clothes, and then it uses AI technology um, to do comparisons to other similar clothed bodies and then what they would look like naked. And it produces this fake image of where your clothes were to make it look as though that person is now naked. 
So there's a video of you walking into Walmart and someone's taken a video of you walking into Walmart. The computer goes and finds all the similar images, angles, shapes it needs, and then it basically recreates a new video of you walking into Walmart naked. Is that a nice, simple way to describe it? So, so that's basically it. But th- this technology that's just come out is is mostly still images. It, it says it can be used for videos, but it's mostly still images. So yeah, so they would feed well, in. That's good news, at least. Yeah, they would feed in um, images of a clothed person and then a picture of them naked and feed that into the AI. So the AI would learn, okay, this is with the, a person who has this kind of body, this is kind of what they would look like naked. So then the AI learns that. And then you go and you pull a photo off the internet of whoever it is you want to see naked pop it into this technology and the AI says, oh, I've seen a naked body. I've seen a body that looks like that. I know how to make it look naked. And so then it wipes away the clothes and it produces this. They're not they're not as realistic as they could be, but they're fairly realistic photos of then what looks like someone uh, nude. Well, we were saying that just a couple of years ago about AI uh, interpretation. Anyway, it's like, well, it's not quite there yet, but, and now all of a sudden here we are and it's almost indiscernible in some point. So, um, okay. So here we are. Um, we're, someone's on a vacation with their girlfriend. They're in the mountains somewhere. Uh, she wakes up in the morning. She goes, stands by the, the, the window and looks out at the beautiful landscape of vacation, right? She's got her jammies on, whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the photo. So does this tip into revenge porn? Because now someone takes that uh, perfectly um, modest photo dumps it into a system like this and now there's a revenge porn photo of their ex-girlfriend standing naked in front of the window. Absolutely. So I I think there's two main things that it can be used for. So one, and some of these photos are getting more realistic. And we, when we looked at deep fake videos in 2017, when they first came out, they looked a bit glitchy, but now in 2020, they're almost indiscernible from, from real videos. And I think we'll see the same thing with this technology because the technology learns as it goes and people improve the tech as it, as it moves forward. But so these images will likely be used for two purposes. Um, one is to be three purposes, I'd say. One purpose is just to share with uh, people who want to use it for sexual entertainment, which is a violation of this person's sexual autonomy. The second is for them to be posted and shared as though they're real in order to harm that person's reputation and their ability to find work and get partnerships and, and just wreck their reputation on the internet. Um, and then the third piece that they can be used for is they can be used for blackmail. And so if you have a realistic nude photo, you can write someone and you can say, I've got this nude photo. It looks real. I'm going to tell people that it's real. And unless you either send me nude photos of yourself, if you promise me sexual favors, if you give me money, if you go on dates with me, they'll be blackmailed into doing things they, they don't want to do. So there's a lot of potential harms for, for these types of images. Uh, well, let's just be clear. That would not be a very fun date for anybody. No. Um, so I don't know why somebody would ask for that, but clearly that's something that goes on. Okay, so that makes sense. We're also seeing phishing campaigns right now that say, hey, I found this video of you, clickbait, enter in your Facebook info, um, yeah. and they'll take, they'll take a photo uh, of you from scraping the internet or your socials. They'll, they'll make it look like it's a YouTube video still, mm-hmm. and then say, hey, look what we found. And that scares the crap out of people. Um, and so then they click and they get fished that way. In this case... It seems to me that um, phishing campaigns, and I don't want to give anybody ideas here, but this would be a great way to take a picture of somebody, process it as naked, do this kind of thing, send it as a fake video, and then fish them into clicking for ransom or, or whatever virus software. So, I mean, it really becomes the sky's the limit on the on the crookedness of this, aside from um, 
the um, reputation part. Oh, absolutely. I think there's a lot of ways that these can be can be used in, in problematic ways. And we see that already, even without having a nude photo of someone, we see campaigns of people saying, we packed your computer, we have a video of you watching pornography and masturbating, and you have to send us money or else we're going to publish it when they don't have that information. And what they'll do is they'll look for old your old passwords, almost everyone has had their password taken at one point or another. So they will produce your password, put it in the email, say, look, I've got your information, you know, and, and if these, if these images look real and someone's afraid that they're going to be believed to be real, particularly for women, because I think when women's nude images are put online, they're judged in a different kind of way than, than men's images. And the technology right now actually only works for women. So the, the technology that's out there right now doesn't work for men's bodies. It only works for women's bodies. Mm-hmm. And so the only people who are at risk um, for this particular technology are, are women. And so there's a real gendered aspect to it as well. Well, I mean, I think it just it, it aligns with um, not comparing. It just aligns with the way that um, the Internet has been used in general. And if anybody ever wants evidence of that, um, I mean, I think that would just speak to that. Um, and it's not like it's. I always want to be clear because I'll always get these messages. It doesn't diminish when this happens to a man no. at all. It just means that the facts are statistically, this usually happens to women, not men. So, um, okay. Well, it's, it's a, it's kind of a scary notion. Now, before we got on there, you sort of mentioned how do we go after these people in the form of the law? Uh, you had said copyright in the case of someone who's famous copyright is typically about monetization though. Um, using something to make money. So if there's no real monetization use of copyright, that's usually the punishment, if you will, or the recourse. Um, And um, in this case, there's probably not a lot of that. So how is it that the law today can go after uh, people like this, add on to that, people like this who could be on the other side of the world? Yeah, so the jurisdictional question is a a nightmare of a question that I won't get into because it is a problem of, say, you know, someone who is in Germany or Russia is doing this to a Canadian. That that creates real legal challenges. Um, There's certain aspects of regular law that can apply. So if someone's trying to blackmail you, extortion, criminal extortion would still apply. If they're harassing you, criminal harassment would apply. So these images can be used in ways that will apply to laws that already exist. And copyright is a right to control an image. And it's actually a a fairly powerful law on the internet. If your copyright has been violated, it's much more likely that that content is going to get taken down compared to some other offensive content. And so if if you've taken the image yourself and someone is misusing it, there's all these different rules that that can help you get that content down. But if you're in other countries, so in Canada, we have rules around the non-consensual distribution of intimate images or or like revenge porn um, that's criminalized and you can sue someone if they put your nude images up, but it doesn't count if it's a fake image, like if it's a deep fake or these deep nudes. Whereas in other countries like Australia, they include um, like AI developed images in their laws. And so one thing that I think could happen in Canada is we would need to adjust our laws to include these types of images so that people would have a right to say, you're not allowed to post uh, these images of me up right now. But it's such a new form of technology. I think in Canada, our laws haven't really caught up to how to deal with this sort of sexual exploitation and image-based abuse issues that that are coming up with this strange new AI. Okay, so you're a lawyer and everybody who's listening is going to go, okay, well, all it takes then is a lawyer to take this stand and and bring this forward. Now you understand the the legal system and how it works. How long does it take 
uh, for something like this to make a change like that, right? Like make a quick change. Can't you just like put a little amendment on the end of it? Scribble, scribble, sign. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, AI images also now count <laughs> sign, right? Like that's how people hear it as citizens because we don't understand the law. So how does it work? Well, I think it depends on on what kind of political and social interest there is in changing a law. So I think if there's a large incentive and a big public push and there's a lot of pressure on politicians, you know, it can get pushed through fairly quickly. But even then, it's going to be months, if not a year, um, in order to get any any law change. So so the, the change will be slow. In Canada, you can argue things in the common law. So you can argue new areas of law in the courts. And so sometimes you can bring a novel legal arguments. And I know that there are a lot of really interesting lawyers in Canada right now who are who are pushing for new laws in these areas. But but it's a slow process. That's the, the challenge with laws that the solutions aren't coming as quickly as we need them. And so people are feeling a bit impatient when they're experiencing this kind of abuse. And, and the law hasn't perfectly hasn't perfectly lined up. Our child pornography laws would cover these images. In Canada, uh, it's different than the United States, where both actual images of children or images um, that aren't real of children can count under our child pornography laws. So for underage people, there would be protection under uh, the creation of child pornography or the distribution of child pornography. How old is a child uh, today or is it different in different places? Uh, in Canada, it's under 18. Is it? Hey? So if you were 17 and 364 days, you could still be uh, the, understood as being a child. For, for abusive type images in Canada, there's a complex system for like if a young person takes a nude image of themselves, that's only for them and it's not being shared with other people. There are exceptions. It's called the personal use exception uh, for some sexual images and nude images of, of underage children. But for something like this, where it's not been made without their consent, it's abusive material. It's, you know, promoting um, people's engagement with sexual material with what are legally considered children, then yeah, that, that would count. Okay. So it, there's a foundation there. So that's good news mm. that there's a foundation. Okay, cool. Um, what do you, what are you most concerned about? Where do you go next, Susie? It sounds like it's, um, you know, it sounds like you're trying to sort of move a mountain and push it yourself. I mean, there's a whole long list of people that surround you in the, in this work. Um, you know, what do you, what do you do next when you, when you see these stories? the biggest thing for me is really I, I would like to see laws in place I, I think it's important that there are laws to protect people who've been victimized by this type of abusive material but really when I think about this content what I, I think is more important is educating people and changing how they think about this type of, of technology and these images because both with real nude images of young people and, and adult women and of these fake ones there's a bit of a like culture of collecting and it's kind of fun to share these images and it's very normalized to share images without the consent of the person in it so I think we need to start working on how we think about sexualized images you know there I, I think that sexualized images and healthy relationships that are being exchanged can really enhance a relationship and can be a really positive thing. And, and during COVID, so many of us are in long distance relationships. We're exchanging sexual content over the internet. And I think that can be very healthy behavior. But once you start switching it into the non-consensual realm and the images are shared without the consent of the person and they're being created and look convincingly realistic and they're being created without consent, I think we as a society need to start saying, hey, that's not appropriate. You know, someone should have control over their sexual expression and their sexual identity. Uh, because without it, we're, we're taking away people's freedom to sexually express themselves the way that they want to. And I think if we want to live in a good society, we want to hit this at the root so that people aren't creating these images to begin with. 
when you look at the, the, the images that are being created and the people who are sharing them, they're sharing them because they, they think it's fun and they think that it's a great time and that it's a cool way to kind of get sexual content. But I don't think, I don't, sometimes I don't think they even realize the harm that they're doing and the impact of the people who have those images created. So I think that's more of a culture shift yeah. than a legal shift. Yeah. And it's almost a separation between it's a, just a picture versus it's a person, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I you know it's funny because Snapchat to me has been a conversation in our house um, with the with the, the, the kids and the teens, um, and little things like um, you know these these kids will take a picture of their buddy picking their nose, yep. and and put it on Snapchat and send a message because they can't send a message unless they take a picture, and yep. yet um, but when they when it's they're sending a message they'll take a picture of their own forehead and the ceiling, not their own face, but then they have no problem putting their their buddy Steve on picking his nose. And I guess it's okay. It's only picking your nose, but at the same time, if, if that makes the internet and someone's applying for a job, then, you know, it starts to be impactful. Um, and it never really goes away. No. And I actually think it's really interesting talking to young people. Cause I actually think in some ways they're a bit better at the image sharing thing than we are because they actually talk to each other. If you've got a good friend and you're about to post an image on Snapchat or whatever it is, you check in with each other. Like if you've got two girls who are taking photos before they go out, they're like, you look cute. I look cute. Yeah. Can I post this? And they talk about it. You know, like they check in about what photos to post and how they're going to do it. So they're already practicing something that I think we as people who, you know, maybe didn't have the internet or, or Snapchat until later in our lives, don't really think about this. So I actually think we've got a lot to learn from young people who are creating really interesting rules. But I think you're right, like posting embarrassing photos and posting photos where, like all these Zoom fails right now, too, people are doing very embarrassing things on Zoom. There was just a, a recent um, person who was who didn't realize his camera was on, thought the meeting was over, you know, was masturbating on camera, you know, and so all of these things are happening where images that are embarrassing or getting shared. And so we need to have conversations around how do we deal with that? How do we respect someone by not sharing that photo if they do something really embarrassing on Zoom or if they're picking their nose or doing something that we know that they wouldn't like shared? Like, I think we have to have conversations yeah. about these images. Well, that brings up a whole other topic of uh, it's three clicks to quickly kick somebody out of a meeting. Um, yeah. So, right. Like, I mean, there, there is a whole other end to that. Why is that person not kicked out of the meeting or it's two quick clicks to just shut the meeting down right now and yeah. save the integrity of everybody. So, I mean, that's a whole other wow um, situation. Uh, Susie, thank you so much. Uh, we could talk about this for days and days and days. I look forward to having it on you back again and, um, and let us know how it goes. If the laws start to change and, and things we need to know about, because if we're going to talk about it and share the, uh, share the awareness of it, then let's do that. Great. Okay. Nice talking to you, Shane. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt on the Shift, as we've tried to do over the last few weeks, bring you. Bring you some fun, bring you some music, bring you some artistry, celebrating Canadian artists here on The Shift and what everybody's up to. Things have changed during COVID, but there are many Canadian artists that are still trying to take on the world and frankly, doing a fantastic job doing it. He's from Vancouver, but he's actually from Nelson. He's in Vancouver and he's been in LA uh, doing some work on some new deals, some new music, and he's back in Canada now. Sean Hook, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Shane. I appreciate uh, talking to you again. 
Uh, Sean and I uh, have done some work over the last bunch of years. Sean's been so gracious with his time with our uh, My Christmas Canada radio special, so we do get to catch up. So this is like a, a preface of, of Christmas catch-up for us, so it's nice for me, Sean. Um, really great to see uh, the work that has happened this year. We we spoke last, well, last Christmas, I guess, is probably the last time I saw your face. Yeah. And, um, and you know, there was a new deal, there was a new plan, there was some new songs in the works, and then the whole world ends, um, the apocalypse <laughs> come, and so does all the zombies, and here we are. But you've managed to kind of pull it off, and you've gotten new things uh, that are coming. So can you update us on on where you've been over the last sort of, I guess, year was probably a good a good timeline. Yeah, yeah, what a year. Um, thankfully, you know, most of this new EP that's about to come out was... The songs, the songwriting was done in 2019, uh, spring and summer of 2019, and the fall as well. And then early 2020, while the world was still kind of functioning, um, I was putting the finishing touches with other producers on the production. And uh, I flew out to Sweden. Sweden was my last international trip. And that's just when the uh, pandemic was starting to break. I had I had shot a music video in February in Toronto and so we had certain songs that were already done, thankfully, uh, but there were still some that I needed to put the finishing touches on. So I went to Sweden, did a writing camp, did a showcase, pandemic hit, connected in Toronto, finished the vocals on the last record, border closed, and then we kind of all went into our self-mandatory quarantines and, and uh, the rest is kind of history. But thankfully, my music was all recorded when we were all basically forced to go into this mandatory quarantine. One of the conversations we've had with other artists like George Canyon and, and those guys is that we often forget that, you know, you're not just a singer anymore. How handy would it be to have a degree in business before you go into music? Um, <laughs> yeah. How hard has it been to assemble that? I mean, you're talking about Canada, USA and Europe, and yet you're kind of doing it all remotely. Um, you know, is it is because there's a lot of business owners that are going through their, oh, crap, yeah. moments right now. Now, yeah. you don't necessarily have uh, commercial space, but it's tough. It is. It's very tough, and I mean, we're still we're still you know figuring out how to really you know monetize what we're doing and and, and be efficient at what we do because like everything's changed. There's no precedent right now in terms of the music industry, especially on the live side. Like that's just there. That's gone. So you're seeing a lot of live stream channels. You're seeing a lot of companies come through. Uh, there hasn't really been one that's taken a you know as the industry standard, so to speak, and like monetizing these shows and these live streams are a little bit more challenging because the experience isn't the same as being in the audience with someone. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of other resources available to songwriters, producers, artists to be DIY. And, you know, having knowledge in all these aspects is super, super important, obviously. But, um, you know, now we're, as a songwriter, I'm doing Zoom songwriting sessions. I have one later today. I have one, I had one earlier yesterday. And it's actually becoming pretty efficient to write music now. And you can connect with people all over the world. So in a, in a lot of senses, you know, there, there is a silver lining to all this madness. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of remarkable to think. Well, let's get into the business of what you've created now, because uh, we'll remind everybody when we're done. But you have a new EP coming out with uh, all new music. This is stylistically, um, it's very, it's very Sean Hook history adjacent. I would say, 
yeah. right? Like it's it's in the thread of what you've always created, but yeah, yeah, it's got a little bit more sparkle and magic to it, I think. Hey, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting because you know I, I look at when I create a record or an album or anytime I write a song, I always approach it from song first. Uh, you know, style is definitely important. I do think about that as I'm writing the song, but usually I try to focus just on song first. And by by that, I mean lyrics and melody and story, you know, and what, what, what do I have here? And then once it's, once you kind of get that together, then the rest is like, okay, let's put some dressing on it. Let's, what world does this song live in? What does this song make me feel? You know, sometimes you don't know until you're working with another producer or someone brings in an element that, you didn't expect. And on this record in particular, uh, I collaborated with a, a friend of mine who is also a really, really incredible producer named Mike Wise. Um, and also working with Alter Records, they kind of had a certain aesthetic in mind for the songs that I was delivering. So, you know, behind the scenes, once I delivered the songs, once I wrote the songs and co-wrote the songs, um, you know, I presented them to the label. Some of them were just piano vocal demos. I did a writing trip to Nashville last May. And out of that, I had like four or five demos that were just piano vocal uh, that turned into some of the songs on the new EP that are, are further produced in more of like a dance, modern dance world with electronic elements, but still rooted uh, with an acoustic source. So, yeah, I think the new EP definitely, I guess, has a new aesthetic to it, but it's kind of what I'm always going to aim for. Like I always, I'm always inspired by what I'm listening to. And I, I, I never want to just be like, found my sound i've arrived and just want to stay there i always want to try inject stuff that's a little bit new a little bit forward thinking on the production side and i feel like that's what this ep is a mashup of uh, ultra's always leaned into that dance world anyway they do a fantastic job with the dance squarely let alone the you know the sort of fringe dance stuff which is cool um what are you listening to um what has got you i mean through covid man we've listened to a whole lot of music there's no denying that you know, it's funny, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say, because back in the day, I would just be like, yeah, I, I got the new Coldplay record, I got the new John Mayer record, I got, you know, these new records, and I listened to the Killers record, and I listened to the whole body of work. Um, but nowadays, it's just playlists. So, like, I can't even, like, bring up one full record that I've listened to during the pandemic, because I, I can honestly say I haven't. I've listened mm-hmm. to a ton of playlists. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's all based on my mood you know like um there's a lot of there's a lo-fi playlist that i love and i can't name one song from that playlist but it's a bunch of it's just the tone and the mood of like this kind of electronic jazz down tempo stuff over like lo-fi drum beats and bass and it's more about the tones and the sonics and the textures uh and that's kind of been this relaxing vibe for me when i get home uh and then i have my workout playlist <laughs> but you know uh, you know it's comprised of more like forward electronic dance music yeah. um, well it's funny to hear you uh speak a bit that you're getting sucked into the machine the same way that we do um you know just as as fans of music right like you really do into mood-based programming mm-hmm. um which is which is very strange um in general yeah, it was, it's interesting because I guess I see the machine aspect of it, but I also, at the end of the day, music is your feelings and what you, you know, what music is what um, feelings sound like, so to speak. That's a quote. I, my mom bought me a picture one time and that's what it said on the quote. And I was like, that's so true. And yeah, I guess it's easier to market that way, but I think it's also true to market it that way. You know, if you want to chill out, you go put up, type in chill out music. And you're like, wow, 
I like this song. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> surprise. Know? I'm in the right mood. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I want you to share that playlist. Um, please share that playlist because I've, I've really been stuck on like uh, Masego FKJ and that sort of sexy, jazzy, chill dance sort yeah. of feeling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that's been a big one for me. So yeah. So please share that one. Fire me a text, will you? Because I want to hear it. <laughs> we'll do. Yeah. Yeah. So you're back in Canada. You were down in the states. Uh, I'm really curious what that experience was like. Because now you're back in Canada now for it looks like the rest of the year. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I I haven't seen Marshmallow the Cat on <laughs> on Instagram lately. Um, what's going? There's so many updates that I need to know. Yeah. So on my on personal side of my life, I the reason I went down to L.A. this trip, because it was in the middle of the pandemic, borders were closed. I really didn't have any reason to go down business wise. But uh, I have a place in L.A. or had a place in L.A. I just moved out. Um, but I was going to see my girlfriend. And uh, unfortunately, the pandemic got the best of us and we decided to go our separate ways. Uh, and so here I am in L.A., <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning of the uh, end of May. And once I was there, um, knowing that I had the 14 day quarantine looming, knowing that my lease was up in October, I decided to just ride it out and stay down there for the rest of the summer. Uh, and I'm glad I did actually. Um, I have a lot of great friends down there. The weather was incredible. Uh, it's a terrible and, place to spend a summer. Yeah, too, right? no, it was, it was actually personally, it was, it was, um, it was a good place for me to be. Uh, you know, obviously the, the numbers uh, with the pandemic and the cases were quite a bit higher substantially. Uh, but I, you know, I did my best to, to stay as, as isolated as I could. And the, actually the testing was pretty re- readily available. I got tested a few times and thankfully I came back negative. Oh, good. Um, it's funny how but, we have to declare that, right? Like, oh, yeah. I was negative, just so you know. <laughs> I, I know, it's become a new thing, you know? It's, yeah. People look at you differently, and they're waiting on that. They are waiting on that. <laughs> That's so strange. Well, you're not alone in the relationship changing um, through COVID. I mean, there's been so many people that have, um, you know, gone through that. So, I mean, I to me, that always says, well, here comes the new record. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So how does, um, cause it inspires writing like nothing else. If you've ever been, a, cause I write my poetry, but if you've yeah. ever not been a writer, like a breakup, a life change like that will boy, oh boy, it flows. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. so now you're back in Canada, you're back in Vancouver. It must feel yeah. pretty great. And, um, you know, what's that feel like to settle in? Cause now you've kind of got some nitty gritty trench work to do. Yeah, for sure. Well, part of like, before I got back to Vancouver, the, the cool thing about when I was down in LA, I actually released two singles while I was there and I actually shot two music videos. So I was actually able to do some work while I was there. And the videos that we shot are probably two of my most favorite videos. So that was like another kind of silver lining was like, we were kind of limited in terms of like the crew and the production team. So we decided to work with one unit in order to minimize our social circles. Uh, and they knocked it out of the park. The director I worked with, a guy named John Frost, um, He's incredible. He did. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the show Succession on HBO. No, I'm but not. He does the. He cut the title sequence for that show. So the intro sequence. It's like a. I think it's like a two minute intro or a minute and a half intro. But it's. I love that. Show. It's one of my favorite shows. And when I met him, he kind of told me after we shot the first music video, he's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I also edited this because he was using some VHS effects in mm-hmm. one of my new videos." And he's like, telling me about Succession. I'm like, "Wait, you should." I'm like, "You should have led with that." You yeah, shot right? Succession. Like that's like. I'm <laughs> that a was your fan. opener, man. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, yeah, so LA was cool and productive, got that done, and I'm stoked that music, I still released singles during the pandemic, but when I crossed into Canada, I just took a big deep breath, like, a couple weeks ago, and 
I've been looking forward to being back home for a long time, uh, especially this whole year, just a wild year on the personal side, um, business side as well. And it's great, but I'm also moving here in two weeks. So it's just like, um, yeah. yeah. Do you feel like it's put it taking the burden off your shoulders? Cause I know that a lot of people feel the burden of, you know, the gossip, the stress, um, the constant change of all things in this new world. Um, but at the same time, I feel like there's a burden off. I feel like there's like this vanity burden off, um, this pressure to go to places you don't really need to go to, you know, like RSVPing for things and having to say no or explain, like, it's not like you could, we used to be able to RSVP, you know, yes or no, but there nobody ever put a checkbox. Frankly, I don't want to go, Yeah. but exactly. now we can do that right now. We can kind of just like, for whatever reason, just say, no, thanks. And, and, yeah. and that's a good thing. So, uh, is that burden off for you now that you're, totally, now that you're 100%. Back? like I'm, I'm today's my last day of quarantine, my official last of my 14. Cause once it crossed the border, you, it, you know, you have to, it's the law. Um, and yeah, if my friends are talking about, Oh, I feel so bad. Like my mom was talking to me last week. She's like, Oh, it's, it's, it's shitty that you have to, you know, be locked up. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like people are bringing me groceries. I'm like, <laughs> working from home which i always do anyways um you know and i'm i'm enjoying it you know and, and i don't have to like you said there's no distractions or i'm not getting in trouble I'm not spending any more money than i have to i'm not going to something and wasting time i'm like i'm loving it so that's so good yeah, yeah. well with that we the sort of the topic that we've had on the show tonight is what um what's one thing one thing that you miss the most if you could choose only one thing to have it go back to the old way or have it back or whatever, what would you choose that one thing to be? By far, it's performing live to a live audience. That makes sense. I mean, because, yeah, obviously I have a bias, but that's my one thing. Uh, I had a small sliver of a taste of that before I left LA. I did a really small social distance outdoor, like backyard thing outside. And just having a few people there meant so much and performing just that not, not just like the other tangibles that come along like a paycheck, but the actual experience of performing my music for fans and other people. Mm-hmm. I can't recreate in a live stream atmosphere or, you know, by myself. So that for me, I, I miss that. Well, I know that that's an authentic answer and not even I, uh, not even a work answer, if you will, because, yeah. um, with Sean's family uh, in Nelson, BC and his grandparents uh, and growing up and music around the, the house. And um, that's kind of was always been your thing. Yeah. Um, well, I, we could do a whole other 15 minutes talking about shoes. So <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll save that for next time. Sean has a bad shoe habit, but it's somehow it's awesome. Can you do like a shoe Instagram? <laughs> Sean hooks shoes. Today. Wow. Shoe Instagram. I'm probably going to get looking forward to getting rid of some of those. Cause um, really? yeah. What size I mean, are they? Can we offload any of them? No, I will. I would gladly, you know, that's the one, that's the other bright side about moving twice in a month is like, you realize you have a bunch of stuff you don't need anymore. So maybe we can set something up. <laughs> Sounds like a good deal. Okay. <laughs> Take me home is the EP. Uh, you're streaming it tonight and it's releasing tomorrow. Do what do we need to know? Yeah. So tonight I'm actually performing a live stream on sessions. You can check it out. Uh, link in my Instagram bio and I'm going to be performing the, the EP front to back acoustic uh, just as it was written. And then later tonight, the EP will be, be coming out once it's you know released in the East coast. We'll be able to get it at nine o'clock 
uh, on the on Pacific time. Right. So, so yeah, with all the time zone changes, it's kind of yes. one day and one day, right? Exactly. Okay, cool. Okay, so we've got that. And um, what is your favorite of all the songs on the EP? Uh, and I don't mean produced, but I mean when you sit down and you play it. Are you playing piano or for these when you play yes. acoustically? Yeah, yeah, I'm playing piano. Yeah, it's kind of kind of the go to. Um, what is your um, What is your favorite one? I think deeper is probably the one that's that that does it for me. I mean that's uh, that's a song I wrote in Nashville and I wrote it on piano and the demo I submitted to Ultra was just a piano record and uh, it it uh, yeah it's probably that's that's the one. All right, wicked. All right, take me home. The title track. Uh, is what we'll get started with. Sean Hook, he's in Vancouver. Thank you so much for uh, being so generous in the time. I do look forward to connecting for uh, Christmas chats again, if you can. Um, it's great to have you back. It's great to see your face. Yeah, Shane, thanks for having me on. I can't believe it. the time's already <laughs> gone by, but I appreciate it and, and hit me up anytime. Happy to talk. You and me, baby, we got a condition. Something to stay up with, something is missing. Spinning the wheels, the cycle is vicious Dancing around what we're secretly wishing I keep telling myself that we're gonna go closer But time is something we're fighting And constantly hiding behind You're afraid and vulnerable That's the stuff I wanna Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.